0: Welcome to Clover Club, everyone. This is your host, Erica, and I am elated to be sitting here with my guest today, Mike Kelleher of... Did I pronounce that? Did I say that weird? I feel like I slick like sung it.
1: No, it sounded great.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, I'm going to do it again now. <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing it. Mike Kelleher of Revolution Aesthetics? Botox? Injectables? All of them. Decatur? Yep, Decatur. My, Mike, hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule. I know how busy you are.
1: No, my pleasure.
0: We'll see. We'll mm. see. <laughs> so, Mike, there's so much that I want to cover with you today that I'm very excited about. But I thought we could start with maybe just like a, a Cliff's Notes of who you are and how you got to be the injectable whisperer.
2: Oh, well,
1: <laughs> n- not by choice. Oh. Truthfully. So I began in medicine in 2003. I came to Emory University and I've been here since. I did not start in the aesthetic world. Okay. I, I, I got into it by accident. Oh. I was working in a dermatology practice with a solo dermatologist, and our patients were going elsewhere for Botox and filler. Mm. They were seeing us for, we had a med spa, and they were seeing us for lasers and, and aesthetic services other than Botox and filler. Okay. And I thought just purely from a business standpoint, that didn't make sense.
0: Missed opportunity. Missed
1: opportunity. And yeah. also, I also felt that nobody could take care of our patients better than we could. Hmm. So I decided at that point in time to try my hand at it, and I felt, well, if I enjoyed it and I did well at it, I would do it. If not, I just wouldn't do it, and i continue with doing what I was doing. Fair. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I seemed to do okay at it. Okay. And then I slowly turned a my, my medical dermatology practice into an injectable practice, and it kind of just went from there.
0: Wow. What's that learning curve like? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. It, it,
1: I, I was always a procedure-oriented person. I was doing involved with surgery and all, those, uh, all the other aspects of, you know, different aspects of medicine, right? You have the surgical aspect and the medical aspect, and I always had my foot in each one of those pools. Okay. So, you know, for me, it, it wasn't that big of a jump from from what I was doing already. And at that time, it, it wasn't as... The subspecialty of cosmetic or aesthetic medicine wasn't really developed. Okay. It was kind of a Wild West.
0: And this is, you said, early 2000s. Uh,
1: Yeah, at least. So that must have been... Yeah, quite... Uh, no, well, this was... When I got into doing this was... Maybe ten years ago, eleven, okay. twelve years ago, okay, somewhere around there. I lose track of time.
0: Yeah, it's all a blur. So somewhere <laughs> around there, but it
1: was, you know, it was still kind of the wild west. It it, it is still a young subspecialty, and yeah. it was a very young subspecialty at that point in time. So there wasn't a lot of, there really wasn't a lot of evidence based medicine behind it. It was kind of, it was kind of, let me show you how to do this, and then you just kind of do it because this is the way I was taught by somebody else. Mm, okay. Right? And so most of the studies that were developed were just the studies that were put in with the products that were being sold.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, there was a lot of leeway, <laughs> I think is probably the proper Mike's way. eyes just like
0: lit up when he <laughs> said that. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a lot
1: of, uh, you know, kind of figure it out on your own yeah. uh, type, which doesn't hold as true today, although it, it does, unfortunately. But we're lucky enough today to have a lot of evidence-based medicine behind and people doing studies, and it's really found its... Foothold in, yeah. in medicine as a true subspecialty, yeah. um, for the most part, I think. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, you know, at that point in time, it was I was lucky enough to have trained with some very wonderful and very studied practitioners who had been doing it for a long time. I had very good mentors at the time. It never would have happened that way ever mm-hmm. again. I was just <laughs> it was right time, right place. I love that. And it kind of took off from there.
0: That's amazing. How long was there in between you starting that and you starting your own practice?
1: That was a good, probably a good six or seven years, I would imagine. Okay. Yeah. So I, I I'd never planned on going on my own. Oh, really? No, that was not, I never considered myself an you know, any sort of entrepreneur or never wanted to, to, to go out on my own. I, that happened just by accident.
0: Can we delve into that a little more? Sure. Because I think it's really interesting. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, "I'm not an entrepreneur, but I just had this calling," or it just sort of like, I w- I had this circumstance where the reaction was, "I'm going to do this on my own." Ma, uh, do you like it? Like, tell us, tell us the yeah the backstory. Well, now,
1: now, once I've done it, I could never go back. Yeah, to, to, do to doing having a boss, to, to doing it, to doing it any <laughs> other way. I mean, you know, I still work with people. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, at the time I had left a large practice and I w- was contractually, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't practice in the city of Atlanta for a while uh-huh. due to contractual obligations, uh-huh. which was fine. So at that point in time, I was purely training for about four or five different aesthetic companies. Okay. Um, and so I spent the time traveling around the country, working in training and, you know, little did I know at that time I was training to open a practice because, ah. you know, I'm a very I'm very curious and inquisitive. So when I go to other practices, I, not only would I do the training that I would, but I would see how they ran things, what worked with them, talk yeah. to everybody and try to pick their minds and their brains about what was going on. And then when it came time, when my non-compete was coming up, I, I quickly realized that I couldn't go back to working uh-huh. under, under another person's You know, roof. It just regime. Yeah, and it was was nothing against anybody else. I just, I had my, I had developed my own vision, the the way that I wanted to do things. I I saw things differently. I didn't see a a place where I fit, and what I wanted to do fit. Not that my way was better or worse than any other person's way. It was just different, and I and I thought there was a niche that I fit into that that just didn't exist.
0: And there you are, creating it
1: there you go. And I then it, it, it happened. And I, you know, I think, it. And I had said this before, I was just ignorant enough. I, I knew just enough to get it going, but mm-hmm. not what it really took to do it.
0: Well, it's funny you say that. The episode that we have coming out next week is with another small business owner. And it's a very raw, candid conversation of like the behind the scenes parts of running a business that a lot of people don't really share publicly right. because you don't want to sound ungrateful. You don't want to sound right. like a complainer. Um, and you don't want to sound like you don't have it figured out. But at the end of the day, part of entrepreneurship, which I, I assume you would agree with, is figuring it out as you go. And there's there's no handbook because each business is unique. Right. And you don't know you're fucking something up until you get a letter or a call or an email or some sort of it, – it's brought to your attention, you know? And then you're like, oh, well. I'll get right on top of that. And no, it. <laughs> you're you're right. And, uh,
1: again, I would just I, I knew what I knew, but I didn't know what I didn't know and that was the reason why you know I kind of and that I don't I don't know, you know. It wasn't I I guess I didn't think when I started, I was like, I, "I know what I can do from a medical standpoint. What I'm doing there, the business will just kind of follow along."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know what I needed to do. And when I started, I started very small. You know, I, I worked, I rented a little nine by eleven room out of a pre existing spa, okay, and worked out of there until I built up. And I, you know, I was lucky enough to have a lot of patients who who still wanted to see me from the years that I had been doing it in in Atlanta and around Atlanta. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was good. So I had that to fall back on. And the other good thing was. I think a lot of entrepreneurs would tell you this where I had, I had other sources of income, Mm. but uh, that wasn't my only thing. So when I first started out, I was seeing patients maybe one or two days a week. Okay. And then I was training for a couple of companies. And then when everything started getting rolling, that's when I consolidated. And was like, wow, you know, I I have to do, now I have to sit down and make a decision.
0: Yeah. This has legs.
1: This has legs. Am I going to do this and commit to this and, Or am I going to kind of fiddle around and and muck around and not? And that's when I just sat down. I was like, well, I'm going to have to commit to this. Yeah. Because I want to. And then at that point, there was no turning back because failure was not an option. Oh, yeah. We were going to succeed and that was it. And so I didn't even, it never even occurred to me that it would not be successful.
0: I love that. I think you need a healthy dose of, uh, Ego, not in the negative way, but no. just enough to keep you being like, I will not fail. Because if you don't, it's real easy to fail.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, I, and yeah, I just, but that's, I don't, yeah, I don't know that ego, I guess, in a sense, but. Not kind of like I'm so much. But it wasn't that at all. It was like I. There's no other option. Like this For is For yourself, only, right. Not in comparison. This is to the others. only thing I can do. Yeah. This is the only option I have available to me. It's either this or nothing, and it's not going to be nothing. So it's yeah. going to be this, and that's it.
0: Did that feel kind of crystal clear when you got to that point of things, or did it take a lot of heming and hawing?
1: No. Once I set my mind to it, then that was that was it, and nice. uh, you know it really. Everything kind of came together when I set foot in the, the, the location that I have in Decatur. You know, the minute mm-hmm. I walked in there, I could fully visualize everything, how I wanted it to be. It just made sense. Yeah. And, and I could see it. And then right <sighs> then and there, it just everything came together. And I was like, well, this is, this is what I was meant to do at this point in time.
0: I love hearing stories like that because the same applies to me. I had looked at so many spaces when I was Mm -hmm. opening my own business. And when I walked in the front door of where we're sitting right now, I had this overwhelming feeling of like, oh, this is the one. Like, this is it. And our spaces are kind of similar in the fact they're kind of lofty and funky and cool. And it's not just this new construction for white walls. Like, uh, you and I are too cool for that. (laughs) Yeah. No,
1: and I didn't want it like that. I mean, that would go against everything that I... Stood for, quote, unquote. Uh, You know, I like the floors were marked up. I like the exposed brick in the sunlight. And it was just, you know, it just spoke to me when I walked in. And I just knew it at that point in time.
0: I feel the same way. And Mike and I both have our business littered with guitars also. Yeah, that's so right. It com- makes it comfy. It makes it comfy, yeah. I can't imagine a space without a guitar. No. No. <laughs> it's just weird. No. Think- so, Mike, this is not a question I was prepared to ask you, but I'm sitting here just staring at Mike, and I'm like, damn, your skin is glowy. Well, thank you. Like, but you look, you look like you've got nothing done. But obviously, given what you now, do, this is surely natural. you do. This
1: is pure... <laughs> I- I, Are you uh, willing
0: to share? Of course. I have
1: no <laughs> secrets when it comes to my skin. What do I do? I, I do Botox. <laughs>
0: okay. Right, so do you I do I can, it yourself? Can you do it no, yourself? No, I have,
1: I have other people do it for me. Okay. Uh, I tell them what to do, though.
0: Okay. That's like me in I, here. That's like, yeah. <laughs> do do exactly this. I like a dick but it. Uh, no, not at no, but that's, uh,
1: And then I use the skincare that I use at the practice. Which is what? Skin Medica brand skincare is what I use. Okay. Yeah. And I only use... I only... Uh, for me... I recommend one line. It's the line that I use. And I figured if I'm going to, if I'm going to use it, then that's what I would recommend for my patients.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that's basically it. Skin Medica. I'll do a, I don't do things to myself. Uh Really. I just, I'm not that person. I don't, I'd rather, I will put a peel on myself occasionally from time to time. Okay. That's it. Wow. Yeah, thank you. See?
0: I'm I'm really... It's, maybe it's just because of the way the pop screen is hitting him. Like, your face moves so nicely when you talk. It should be natural. Yeah, it's super natural. Well, and that's why... Okay, I just need to share like a little backstory of how I even found myself in Mike's um, <laughs> talented hands. Well. So I probably waited a little too long to start getting Botox. Um, And I was kind of, my friends will laugh listening to this episode, because I was a little self-righteous about not doing it for a little too long. And now when I've got friends and clients who are like, when should I start getting Botox? My answer is one to three years before you start wondering if you need it, because that's definitely how it was for me. So the first place that I went came very highly recommended, and it was a horrible experience. The first time I went, this lady hard-sold me on thousands of dollars worth of crazy shit. She ran late, but I was like, okay, I like she seems like she's got a plan. I'm not a professional. I'm ready to invest in my healthy aging. Like, okay. So I drop a bunch of money, and... Uh, The next time I see her, she has no idea what we did last time, who I am, what plan we had. And one of the things she had had me do was sculpture, which she had discussed needs two or three treatments. So I was thinking she's going to kind of lead the way on when I'm doing this again type of thing. She had no idea. And that really annoyed me. And in hindsight, finding out more details about sculpture, which were not fully relayed to me, I'm pissed that that is in my face. So not a great experience. And so then from there, I hopped to another place that was recommended to me by a friend. And this place, I would get there, the guy would come in like 30 minutes after, like he was literally not even in the building. And then he wanted tips. So I feel like, Anybody who wears like fucking scrubs to work shouldn't
1: be getting a tip. uh, That's that's a point of contention as well.
0: Okay. I figure like later on I want to get into like etiquette stuff, but that's a huge one for me. I was like, this feels like a red flag. And I went to him twice. The first time I went, it was like 300 ish dollars. And so the second time I went back, and it was good, other than the fact that I was like, do I have to tip you? I, I do a gratuity-free business here for mm-hmm. over a decade. I've never accepted a tip under this roof, and it's been just fine. I truly believe in just charging what you're worth. So I went back to that same guy, and I said, hey, like, last time was great. I trust you. Like, just whatever you think my face needs. And he was like, okay, girl, I got you. I go to check out. It's 900 dollars And I was like, what the fuck? You know, I – total sticker shock, no conversation about I'm going to just like douse you in fucking Botox. And then I was like, never again. And that is when I talked to Mandy and Mandy sent me to you, Mike. And then as soon as I met you, I was like, oh, this is my injectable home because well, you are you. like a normal person who acts like a fucking professional. And uh, I've been happy ever since. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And my face moves. And now I'm sending you all my friends and clients well, too. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. It. it
1: yeah. There's a lot. That. Yeah, but that—that that that. <laughs> what what the, the story that you have is not atypical. I, I and that's sadly, I, I, you know, that's one that. that's and this is again, I'm not bashing anybody at all, at all. It's just it's a weird business, mm-hmm. and the the weird thing about this business is that you have medical providers mm-hmm. who are not trained to take money from people.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like, the business side of things. Exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, medical people are horrible business people. But in you know medical school, or whatever nursing school, you don't have a class on how to to talk to a patient about a financial transaction because everything's done under insurance
2: yeah so
1: that's a hard conversation for a lot of medical providers to have and i when i first started out i had one of my medical assistants she was the one who talked about everything or you know i would recommend the treatment Mm -hmm. like you would any medical treatment and then she would kind of be the the closer is what they're called and this is a common this is coming especially in surgical practices plastic surgical practices where everything's cash-based yeah so it's a tough discussion to have and i think a lot of providers just aren't comfortable having that conversation. So what ends up happening is the patient sits down, they're like, I don't know, you know, just whatever you think. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then you go to check out and you're stuck with a huge bill and you're like, man, that was not quite what I, yeah, (laughs) I mean, you know, to a certain extent, what, whatever you think. Yeah. So that's a discussion that has to be had with a patient and it's just tough for a lot of medical providers because they don't know how to have it.
0: I agree with that. And I think that that, arches over really all service industries. I mean, I know uh, I'm not in this anymore, but I used to do a lot of education in my industry, and I would always force people to have kind of like role-play conversations of how to talk about the finances of doing Mm -hmm. hair because... I'm not going to give you a $500 service that you don't know you're getting and then have, you know what I mean? Like the point is to have everybody comfortable and feel good. I never want somebody at the counter to have sticker shock or to be like, oh my God. And because you know what they're going to do? They're going to leave and they're going to text their friends and be like, holy shit. And they're going to smile to your face and then they're never going to come back. And it's just, you got to be a confident professional, believe in why you charge what you charge and what it is and the value in that and let your customer decide. But I do think it's if you don't practice that muscle, it, it can be intimidating and it can be scary. And I get it, but you got to do it. <laughs> right. And I, it,
1: a discussion I have commonly with medical providers at practices is it, you know, this is a thing that they have to struggle with. So the way I've always felt about it is this. I, I've never tried to sell a patient anything. Mm-hmm. It's not selling. I, I'm a medical provider and I'm prescribing treatment regimen for them yeah and this is this is what it's going to take to get you to this point in time and this is what this is unfortunately the cost of (laughs) it yeah right so if we're going to get to this place whatever that place is going to be this is what it could possibly take to get there and it doesn't have to happen in a day and nor should it sure you know most of this is staged out over 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 a period of time whatever that recommendation is Mm -hmm. but it's not me selling you and i don't want to sell you anything i don't care right you're asking my professional medical opinion on something, this is it. This is what it takes to get there. And that's it. And we'll have that discussion. And that's the way it should be.
0: I totally agree. Well, and I love that. The first time I met Mike, I was like, I just don't want sticker shock. Like I, that's one of the first things I said to you.
1: I actually remember this conversation. Yeah. I'm just like, tell
0: me how much it's going to be. And let's make sure that I either can afford it or, you know, if we need to pivot or edit or whatever, it's exactly. so simple. And even I saw you semi-recently and I was like, do I need temple filler? And you just like laughed and you're like, no, <laughs> like, I appreciate that. You're not like, Hey, if you'll pay for it, absolutely. No, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. No. I mean, that's the, the do no harm. Yeah. It still applies. This is a medical subspecial. This is medicine still. Yeah. As many people. You know, there's a lot of people don't feel that way, but it, but it is medicine.
0: So I look at it that way also, and I, I I have a client who I absolutely adore who I sent your way, and the first, she's probably listening to this right now. The first time she got Botox, she got it from her dentist, and I was like, yeah. girl, what? like... <laughs>
2: <laughs> that and that dentists it are
0: qualified it to, give, to, to, to administer Botox? Well, I would argue this one wasn't. Uh, she, it was hilarious. And I was like, please go to Mike, <laughs> who is. And, and I watch people to go to their dermatologist for injectables. And I would venture to say, just based on my observations with all of my clients and stuff, it really takes somebody who's doing injectables all day, every day to truly get the art of it. If it's just a subfaction of your practice, I can tell a difference in the quality.
1: Yeah, this is this was the turning point for me. When I first started doing this, I was still in the dermatology practice and I was doing injectables a couple days a week and then still doing dermatologic surgery and whatever on the side and I went and I did a training with a I was fortunate enough to do. This was in the uh, the product Juvederm Voluma first came out. Mm-hmm. And so whatever the time frame that was. But there's a, a very well-known Brazilian plastic surgeon who's known all over the world. He was he was giving this quote unquote master class that day. And okay. I was circumstances happened where I got to go in that day and train under his eye. Cool. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it was me. I had no business being there, believe me, because there was a lot of very accomplished plastic surgeons from Atlanta who were there. And he looked out at us. We had spent eight or ten hours with this guy. And he looked at everybody and he Said, you know, how, how many are you, how many of you here are injecting, just doing cosmetic injectables full time? Mm-hmm. And nobody raised their hand. Oh, interesting. And he looked, he's like, why are you here wasting my time?
0: Ooh. And it really,
1: that hit me hard and I, and I kind of didn't think about it. And that's the way that cosmetic injectables were looked at. You know, it's yeah. something we do on the side. It's a good money earner. People want it. So we'll just do it. Yeah. And that's when I realized, I was like, God, you know, if I'm going to be good at this, I need to commit to doing this full time. Yeah. And then I started thinking about it. And it made more sense. I, I'm not going to go to my cardiologist to get my toenails taken Care of, you know.
2: <laughs> I love that that's where I, your I mind went. <laughs> I know, you
1: know, I don't, that makes no I've probably not had enough or too much coffee, one of the two. Um, but you know where I'm going with this. It, for me, it was like, I, if I'm going to be the best that I can possibly be at this, I need to commit to this full time. I'm not saying anything other than for me, that's the way that it had to be because that's just the way that I am. Yeah. And so at that point in time, That that was where it turned the corner for me. I was like, that's it. This is all I'm going to do. And I'm going to try to do this the best that I possibly can. I'm going to learn everything I can about this. And this is what I'm going to do. And that that was it. It was that moment. It was just like, oh, man. Yeah, he's absolutely right.
0: I love a strike of clarity like that. That really just kind of solidifies something oh, just, that you're already a huge doing. You know, gut
1: punch. You know, yeah. I mean, it, well, it was it was much needed.
0: Absolutely. And I'm curious if anybody else in that room with you had a similar reaction, or if they were just like, eh. "No, I know the." <laughs> <laughs> I, I still know
1: all of them, and okay, they're all doing their thing.
0: Okay, yeah. that's so interesting.
1: I was so young and impressionable at the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 So glad that you were impressionable though because my forehead has benefited from your (laughs) feather touch. Mine too. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, it's so true. So, Mike, is there anything that you wish people knew about preparing for an injectables appointment? What to wear? Any little detail where you're like, oh, I wish more people realized X.
1: Don't wear makeup. Okay. Is probably a number is, is a good, is a good rule of thumb if it's anything other than yeah (laughs) (laughs) if it's anything other than botox that you're scheduled to come in for i would i would botox is easy you can wear all the makeup you want we'll wipe that off that's fine okay but anything else is because you know boat makeup is dirty
0: that's, yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, they use that brush over and over again, and it mm-hmm. collects all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. anything that we can do, of course, we'll clean you up and do all that. But it's also, it's nice not to have a ton of makeup on for most of these procedures. Yeah, and exactly. I, I try to advise my patients who just don't look at social media and follow people. and. <laughs>
0: Multiple <laughs> times I've sat down in my chair, and I'm like, I just saw this TikTok, and I'm yeah. curious if I need blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, God.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, there's, you no. Know,
0: yeah. I have a theory, and I wonder if this resonates with you. So, uh, obviously, as people who work with the, ju- the public, they're exposed to uh, all of these TikToks and Instagrams and influencers and things like that in our industry. And this is my theory. I... I'm a busy professional. I book my appointments a year in advance. You can't get an appointment with me. I don't have time to put together a fucking reel on new balayage techniques, for example. So what I wonder is if the rise of social media is giving a platform to unbusy professionals that can create the illusion that they're busy, successful professionals while people like you and I are busy, like actually working, but then people are getting bad information and it's kind of like diluting our industry. Does that make sense without something too Oh no, too it, it, it makes sense.
1: I just don't know because I don't really know any of these people.
0: I, I go so to like me- influencers. Yeah,
1: I go to you know I go to meetings and just because of who I'm, some of the the companies, you know, the big company, I'm a big company I'm associated with. So we do these big annual meetings, and everybody shows up there. And I typically don't know who the, who anybody is, mm-hmm. just because I I don't care. I truthfully, I mean that's not I, <laughs> nothing against them. I, I mean, I have I just fun. literally don't yeah, care. I don't care. <laughs> So That's I thought that makes you cool. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> old, yeah, old, out of touch, maybe. Wow. Um, but uh, I don't know. From I, I, I was thinking. You know, it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't know if it's the need to just to to have this validation that drives it, or if mm-hmm. they're just not busy and enough. But a lot of people do create a lot of content, huh?
0: Yeah, but but I'm like, where do you have the time for it if you're actually busy?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, because I don't have time for anything.
0: Uh, correct. Like I am busy from the second I walk in the door to the second I leave. Right. Um, it's a commitment.
1: Maybe th- they have a whole team. They probably have a whole team of media people and who do all those things for them. Maybe.
0: Maybe some of them. Yeah. Some of them for sure. Yeah. Not all. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know what it takes. So I, I guess, what's the threshold? Is there a certain number that puts you in that category of being? like super ultra influencer?
0: That's a great question. I think anything over 10,000 followers. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Like I know, like if I want to start monetizing this podcast, they want to see like a thousand downloads on average per episode. Okay. Which is simultaneously a lot and not a lot. Right. Um. So I think that if you're talking about like a, a skin or hairdresser influencer, anything over 10,000, like you're, you got some traction there unless it's just bots that you've purchased or something like that. But yeah, that's also a whole thing.
1: I've heard about that too.
0: I don't, you know, I don't
1: know. I, it's never been a, I I think early on I had people contact me who were like, Hey, look, if you do such and such for this, you know, like an agent or something, contact me. If you do this for my client, look, we'll send you people and we'll put you out there and i kind of looked at him and i was like i don't really like nothing against you i don't really want the people that are <laughs> associated with you like that's not my people those yeah. aren't the people who i want as patients like not it's not that they're bad it's just that's not kind of where i'm at yeah like, like I that's not what don't i do need that yeah. yeah it's not you're good, probably we're not compatible mm-hmm. in a professional relationship mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know how that works really
0: Yeah. It's super interesting. One thing I'll do, whether it's like a a product line I'm considering bringing on or people I'm considering working with or whatever is I'll go to their social media, of course. Mm-hmm. But if they have a big number of followers, I go right down to their posts. And I'm like, what's your engagement like? How many people are actually liking and commenting on these posts? Because gotcha. um, like I suck at, at social media. Like both of yeah. all of my accounts have not huge followers. Me neither. But the followers I have are real clients who are engaged, who are spending money. And that's what matters. Yeah. So I think there's this rise of like the micro influencer where it's like, they actually have an audience that engages because it doesn't matter if you have a hundred thousand followers if they're not liking, commenting, or participating in your brand, you know. Right. But it gives the illusion that that person's pretty cool. Well, as long as it makes them feel good. Well, I, I suppose. guess I don't know. I don't <laughs> care. I don't know.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, that. I, I do it Mike because I was cool. I was told I had to do it, and it's I, mm-hmm. so we put things out on it, and it's very minimalistic, and it's kind of like here's a new thing we're doing, like here's the results you get from something. Yeah. Just because I, I run everything, you know, in mean, the web page, and I just don't have time to put that stuff yeah, on a exactly. before and after type thing. So it's just it's a very quick and easy. Like here, this is, you know, this is something we did today with a new procedure, and this is what it looks like. Yeah. Here you go.
0: Well, Mike, that's a good segue. Are there any new procedures or offerings that you are doing that you're super excited about?
1: Yes. So earlier this year, I brought on a device called EndoLift.
0: I was hoping you would mention. This. Yeah, so it's the only
1: one in the state of Georgia, <laughs> oh as a God. matter of fact. No big deal. Uh, no, no, it's a, it's a great procedure. It's been it's a it's a laser, a non-ablative laser that's been quite popular in Europe for about it's got a good 16 or 17 years of literature and data behind it. So it's not a oh, new wow. procedure.
0: Is Europe like the hotspot? Do they get all the cool stuff first and then it well, trickles That's where everything
1: us? typically originates. Okay. And so the, this is interesting. I was having a discussion with a patient the other day because we, we do have a new, there's a new injectable product out now too. Okay. That's through the company Allergan called Skinvive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we can talk about that okay. briefly too. Okay. Um, <laughs> But you know, I, the, the common misconception is that everything goes over there first because it's easier to get approved. Oh, but interesting. It's, it's I would quite, think it would be harder. Exactly. Okay. So it's way harder to get things approved over in the EU before it is over here. Yeah, they so have standards. The, <laughs> exactly. They're way higher standards. And so yeah. by so by the time we get most of these products, they have a good seven, eight, nine years of data and use behind them before we even get our hands on them. That's and awesome. So when they come through our FDA, a lot of these injectables uh, s- specifically have a year of data that are put into them, and then we get them released to us. And then we screw it up for a while, because we don't <laughs> listen to anybody, because we think we know everything, yeah. and, and then it goes into play. But yeah, so typically these products are in the EU, and South Korea is a big place, because that's one of the largest consumers of non-surgical cosmetics in the world. Yeah, yeah. So we get those. So I brought Endolift on earlier this year. And of course, before I bring any new procedure on, I do quite a bit of research and and data seeking and talking to people who've done it for a while. And so I brought Endolift on due to the fact that I could do things with that that I can't do with any other devices. So with Endolift, it's a laser. Mm -hmm. It's on a tiny little fiber optic cable that ranges anywhere in size from 300 to 400 microns in width, which is... Three what
0: to does four, that mean? Three to, <laughs> in English. <laughs> so uh, a, a
1: one piece of paper is okay. a hundred microns. Oh, okay. In, in in width. Okay. So three to four pieces of paper that are okay. stacked on, and it's a tiny little fiber optic cable, uh-huh. and we can do a couple things with it. We can tighten tissue with it. I can do pure lipolysis or fat burning with it. Mm-hmm. So it it opens up a lot of avenues that I couldn't address previously. Okay. So and now you know if we need to burn a double chin out. I no longer, nothing against Kybella. I just, I can do it in 30 minutes in an afternoon at a fraction of the cost without the downtime and be done with it.
0: That's huge. And are the results permanent?
1: Well, nothing's permanent. <laughs> and that's probably good. We don't really want permanence to see in our life, do we? Uh, I don't think so. You'd like to permanently win the lottery. <laughs> True. Every year. <laughs> yeah. Now, what, you know, for, for, for our sake today, once FAD is gone, it, This is not necessarily true, but it's gone for the most part. Hopefully we'll continue to age and your skin will continue to get more lax over time. So that Mm -hmm. may have to be repeated, but hopefully in the meantime, we're doing other things in order to keep your skin intact and, and, and up in shape.
0: So, if somebody does this for their chin, for example, mm-hmm. is it something where maybe is it like in every five to ten years they'll want to come back and do a touch up, or it just sort of depends on like We're their elasticity? We're seeing in Europe is about
1: every three to four years, and that can and that can okay. change based upon the patient.
0: Okay, yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah, it's where a great else? Procedure? Can, where uh, else can you use it?
1: I, I brought it on to I brought it specifically into practice for under the chin, double mm-hmm. chin, jowls, mm-hmm. and eye bags. Because those are the areas that are the toughest to treat. Okay. Look, nothing's going to replace surgery. Uh It's just not. This is like diet surgery. Yeah. yeah, It's for patients who we can rectify it without surgery. They're not surgical candidates Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for, for any number of reasons. They don't want surgery. They're just not quite there yet. Yeah. Whatever the reason may be. So it's something that we can do either solely on its own. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll do these procedures in lieu of, of, of surgical putting off surgery for a while. Okay. uh, If need be. So so it can be a nice adjunct therapy, but I I would never tell anybody that, you know, and for, for a lot of, if, if they were wanting surgery, then, then we need to refer to surgery.
0: Okay. And do you have uh, plastic surgeons that you work with and that you refer your patients to? I do
1: work with cosmetic surgeons and I do have a, Two or three plastic surgeons that I would refer out to. Okay. Who I trust. You can like support your people. Oh, absolutely. And believe me, if if somebody comes in and they, I think they're surgical, then they, then I will refer them to surgery.
0: Okay, that's nice.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's incumbent upon me to, you know, from a moral and ethical obligation in order to get patients in the right channel and to get do what's best for them. Yeah. It doesn't benefit me if we're doing something and you're not happy. I'm probably not going to be happy because I'm not ever really happy. <laughs> just <laughs> generally, just <laughs> generally Yeah, I'm the har- Believe me, I am going to be the harshest <laughs> critic of anything that's done in my office. Um, I which, love is, that. which is unfortunate um, for, for anybody around me, but for patients, yeah, it's it, no, it's it's good. But we patients need to be. We need to take care and do the right thing. It's all as long as they are doing the right thing, then then everything else will fall into place.
0: Well, I certainly agree with that. I have noticed a rise. Of people getting chin lipo, so if full blown lipo is like a ten out of ten because obviously that's surgery, mm-hmm. um, where would endolift fit on that spectrum if somebody was wanting to treat that same area?
1: Depends upon the presentation. Okay. So if I if it's a typical if it's a younger patient who has a little bit of a fat pad underneath there that would have quote unquote been a Kybella patient previously, mm-hmm. right? We can take care of that in 35, 40 minutes for. You know, again, a fraction of the cost okay. for what Kybella would take. They might have a couple of days of soreness, maybe a little bit of numbness in the area, just from the inflammation. It can take eh, three, four months to see the final result with it. That's just the way the body heals.
0: Sure. But That's with Kybella,
1: nothing against Kybella. But again, the you know the issue with Kybella and what patients sometimes have run into is that what I found over years because I worked with Kybella when it first hit the market before mm-hmm. it was called Kybella. Oh. And the, the issue with Kybella always was that, one, it's expensive. Uh huh. So it's you know it's it, it's not only expensive for the patient; it's not cheap for the provider. Okay. And I'm going to let you in. You know, one of the dirty little secrets. This is just yes. true. The return on investment is not high for a provider with Kybella. Okay. We don't make a lot of money off Kybella. Interesting. That's not why I don't recommend doing it. I just have a better way to do it now. Right. But even previously, I tended to refer patients out to another procedure, whether it be full-blown lipo or something like face tight or AccuTite or something else, that just because the investment that they would have put in, you know, they would have. It typically takes a, two to four treatments in order to see something, and then it's very subjective, mm. right? Is the patient happy with it? Right. And that's I mean, are are they? I don't know. Are you going (laughs) to but they have to be done six to eight weeks apart. So are you willing to have two to four treatments spaced six to eight weeks apart at about somewhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a treatment? Damn. So now you're into it like five grand.
0: Yeah, and then you could literally just Why go Why not like just a, go
1: right down and get it done in f- you know an hour and be done with it for six grand? Yeah. That's always my feeling about it. So I think that's incumbent upon me doing non-surgical procedures is I have to weigh the, the, not only the risk-benefit, but I have to weigh the – I'm not trying to manage your checkbook. Right. But I also have to look at the financial consideration. If we're going to do something – from a non-surgical standpoint, and it's going to cost that much, it's up to me to say, look, I, I think you need to go and think about a more permanent solution to this if it's going to cost that much already. Because yeah. once I start pricing you into the surgical realm, we need to investigate that. Yeah. Whether you decide to go that route, I'm going to leave that up to you, but you need as much information as you possibly can. I really before love that before you make before you make an informed cuz you can't make an informed decision on this unless you go unless you go and talk to
0: people. Right. I think a lot of people hear the word surgery and like a barrier pops up, but I think people will be surprised how many people are walking around with all sorts of surgical procedures and how Kind of easy it is these days. Right. And and, and,
1: like, you know, this is kind of my talking point is well, you don't know unless you go talk to somebody. Sure. You going and sitting down and talking to the surgeon or whoever you're going to talk to. You don't know what it involves. And yeah. just because you go in and sit in the office and talk to somebody doesn't mean that you are they're going to—they're not going to drug you and pull you back and, right. you know, just perform surgery on you without you knowing it. At least that now UL. you know. And then if you decide, well, that's not quite for me, then it's not for you.
0: Yeah, but then you're making an informed and educated. Right. And system. then there's just
1: some patients I see, I'm like, hey, I, I, we cannot do this from a non-surgical standpoint. Like, you, yeah. this is surgery. What you want, what, you know, your expectations are a surgical expectation. I can't do that. Like we cannot do that. So yeah. this is the way I think you need to go. Save your money. Don't blow your money with anybody. Like I don't, not me, not with anybody else. Right. Because unfortunately, if I have that discussion, some people are going to go find somebody else, and somebody will do what you want to have done. Mm-hmm. Somebody will do
0: it. Yeah, that's the scary part. Let it me is. ask you this. So I'm in my mid thirties, and uh, obviously, I'm aging me too. <laughs> Mike's prematurely gray. (laughs) You have the same natural hair color as my best friend, and she's also thank you. My hair's turning black
1: again. It's weird. I don't know what's going on. Is it really? Yeah. Where? All over. It's just getting blacker. I don't know what's happening.
0: Interesting.
1: We need to do some investigation into
0: this. Yeah, I'm very curious. Well, Mm -hmm. it looks great.
2: Well,
1: thank
0: you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I find myself personally, like trying to mentally strike this balance of what should I be doing realistically now to, uh, it's not like I don't want to age, but of course I want to stay looking good as long as possible. And what should I hold off and kind of leave like these bigger things down the road? So I guess with something like endo left, for example, if somebody in their thirties is like, oh, I'm noticing like I've got eye bags you mentioned, for example, that you can treat it with that. Is it something where it would behoove them to get endo lift earlier? Would that stave off needing like eye surgery or is it so, like, I feel like I'm rambling and I'm, I'm, no, I'm poorly forming I'm just, my I'm question. I'm taking this all in and this I know you this. is how I talk to Mike this. in his chair. I'm just yeah. like, Bla, blah, yeah. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, this blah, blah, blah. Do the, you get the, it?
1: Yes, I do know. <laughs> uh, the answer is yes and I don't know. Okay. <laughs> What's the next question? No. <laughs> So yes, the, the answer is um, yes. If you're, if you're younger and you, you, know, you have more tissue elasticity, mm-hmm. you have thicker tissue, you're going to respond better to a non-surgical procedure. Okay. okay. Once we get more, more mature, our, mm-hmm. our skin starts to thin out. You don't have that deeper structure. You don't have tissue elasticity. It gets harder for, from a non-surgical standpoint. Mm-hmm. to, to, to rectify some of these issues that people present with. Okay. Right. Is
0: there, sorry to cut you off. Is there mm-hmm. like an average age where what you're referring to right now, generally, like when you see this? No, you know, and, in... and, it,
1: and it's funny. No. And this is a question like, how old is too old for this? How young? Well, of course there's a too young. Yeah. There's a too young age for, for all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. But you know, for aesthetics, of course. And, and those ages are put on pr- products, right? right. So, so the FDA even, there's a certain age requirement for a lot of these products to be administered on patients. So that's fine. I, I don't know that, I don't really look at age as, a, as, a, as the determining factor. It okay. just depends upon what the patient presents with and, and how they present in, in my office and what they have. And, you know, what, I, what do we have to work with mm-hmm. and what's going to work best and what, what can we do to make the most impact and get the best result safely? Yeah. And, and we're both of us are going to be happy with it. And, and that's kind of where the determining factor really is doing it need a younger age. Is that necessarily going to mean that you're not going to need anything later in life? May- maybe, you know, maybe if it's dressed younger, but mm-hmm. I don't, you know, g- you got all these other factors that come into play environmental factors, genetics, who knows what's going to happen between now and five years from now or tomorrow. Yeah. So, so to a certain, to a certain extent, Yes. But but then that's where the I don't know comes into play. Yeah. We would think, we do know, and people laugh at this. But yes, of course, there's something to prophylactic Botox, mm-hmm. right? There's something to that. I when you're preventing the tissue from folding over time and time again, and you're getting a little bit of muscle atrophy, of course, you're not going to have as deep lines down the road. If if you're 40 and you start getting it at 30, then if you started getting it at 39 and 40, right. right? and there's also some other things with tissue remodeling with botox that we just don't quite understand so when you see that's why typically what i like to see with Botox is, is not absence of lines, but you tend to see the tissue just looks healthier. Yeah. It looks better. And that people don't talk about that enough.
0: Oh, that post Botox glow. Exactly uh, it's right. My so favorite. there's, yeah, there's something with the <laughs> tissue that yeah. happens that
1: we don't, we, we're not quite sure why that happens. Oh, um, interesting. But, but it, I thought but you it, would know. <laughs> no. Well, I don't, there's so much that happens. Um, <laughs> but there's something to that. And so, yes, that lends itself to there. there is something to be said about. Staving off some of the effects of aging. Aging's not bad. I, I'm they, you know. If you're not aging, then you're you're not living, right? Which, so absolutely. I think aging yeah. is the better alternative. I agree. And there's nothing wrong with aging. I'm perfectly happy being. I'm 52. Oh, uh, how old am I? <laughs> I'll be 52 next month. Yeah. I'm yeah.
0: glad you offered that up because I was curious, but I wasn't yeah. going to ask. Yeah, yeah. 51 <laughs> and.
1: and 11 months, right? Happy uh, early birthday, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I I believe me. I'm so happy to have lived this long. Uh, and and I think this is this is true of the majority of my patients. That there's n- no problem with aging. And I don't yeah. want to look younger. Really, right? Right. right. Uh, you just want to look the best that you can at this point in time in your life. Exactly. And you don't want to look different or weird or younger, just as good as we can now, mm-hmm. refreshed, that's it. And that's 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 all, that's most of my patience.
0: Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And it, it's like, you don't want people to be like, oh my God, you get great filler or you get great Botox. You want them to be like, you look great. Do you, you get anything done? Yeah, Yeah, I kind
1: of I kind of <laughs> half-jokingly say this a lot. I'm like, you know, to, if anybody walks up to you and says, hey, your Botox or filler looks great, just then take, take my card, like rip it up and throw it in the trash because yeah. I did you no favors. It should right? not ever be noticed.
0: Yes, 100%. Right. I think the only time it should be noticed is if somebody knows you really well and they can tell a difference and yeah, they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. bitch, those brow yeah. lines look really good. Yeah, as long as it's good. <laughs> like, what the hell
1: happened? You're like, you don't want that.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's so, so it should
1: funny. all look very natural. Yes, I. I think. That's my that's my approach, and always has been.
0: Yeah, and I know some people have a different aesthetic that they want for themselves, but generally Absolutely. speaking, most people, and I, this is what I've built my business on, is natural results. I want you to look your most beautiful and best based on your natural coloring, your natural hair texture, because that's realistic. And it's not that right. I can't give you hot pink hair, or blue hair, It's crazy stuff, right? But most people don't want that. They just want to look no, and I don't great it, for them.
1: And you know, and I think the other thing too is it, the patients are my billboard. Mm-hmm, right? If I, absolutely. you know, if I'm just if I just put you know put a ton of filler in your lips and you walk around looking crazy, of course people are going to be like, "Ooh, who did your lips?" Yeah, I, I, I don't want, want my name coming out of your mouth. Like exactly. if that's your thing, that's good. I can send you to somebody who will do that for you. Yeah, there are people who specialize in making your lips big, yeah. and that's fine. That's just not, that's not what you're, that's not me. Yeah.
0: And that's a great thing. That just reminded me of a funny story. When I was 16, I got my very first salon job Mm. at Van Michael and one of the master stylists there had this client who wanted a mullet and he was like, listen, here's the deal. (laughs) I will give you the most technically sound, well-executed mullet. That I can give you, but you cannot tell anybody that I did it. And she had to like agree before he would cut her hair, which I respected. Because sometimes people ask for stuff, and you're just like, Mm-mm. like I can't, I can't, I just can't. No, yeah, sometimes
1: <laughs> you, you just gotta say no.
0: Yeah, and like you said earlier, there's somebody else who will do it for them. Somebody
1: will do whatever you want. Yeah, you can like, find no somebody in to Atlanta to do them. whatever now. Yeah, especially
0: in Atlanta, yeah, you, can you can have you anything
1: can do whatever you want. You want. Yeah, just go right down the street. I'm sure, there's somebody who will do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's fine. I, good for them.
0: Yeah, good for them, but not good for us. So, Mike, I had some questions submitted for you. Mm. Would you like to do a little of Q and A Q with and a. me? A. Yes. Okay. Perfect. I was hoping you'd say that. Yes.
1: <laughs> let's 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 tackle some questions.
0: Okie dokie. Question number one: Why can't you work out after Botox? You can. Oh! Whoa! I wasn't prepared for that yeah. answer. So
1: this. <laughs> uh, look. Here's the deal. In medicine, there's, there's a lot of cover your ass medicine, mm. right? So there's a lot of CYA in medicine. I think what happened was people weren't quite sure the mechanism really aesthetically of what Botox did. So there was a lot of hearsay, you know, don't okay. do this for 24 hours. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. And then when Botox got its indication for the horizontal forehead lines, they looked a little bit deeper into this. Okay. And a lot of us back in the day were kind of like, does it make sense? Because the way Botox works, it shouldn't make a difference whether you work out or not. It really, and it's true. Okay. So the mechanism of action from a pharmacologic standpoint is such that you can't really... You can't hurt Botox. Okay. Right? So it's bound irreversibly to the receptor immediately. So once it's bound, it's there. Ooh. So I will tell my, I mean, one of my mentors who was what in the studies, he tells his patient they can go do whatever they want after they inject Botox. You're not going to hurt it.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: I tend to recommend about an hour or two, just because we just stuck a bunch of needles in your face. I think it's fine for you to take a couple hours off. Sure. But you're not going to hurt it. But it, a lot of it was so we could blame the patient for ruining it. Interesting. I okay.
0: Think. So I know it's, uh, sometimes so people say don't hours. work out. Sometimes it's like, don't lay down for six hours. Yeah, don't it's not massage not the area. That's yeah, not going to do anything. Would massage, even massaging wouldn't.
1: There's no reason to.
0: To massage or for a too. Yeah. T-
1: okay. But uh, theoretically, and from, from, I mean, not even theoretically, from a science standpoint, it shouldn't make a difference.
0: Okay. I feel like for 24 hours after I get Botox, I'm so gentle with my forehead and I like almost sleep like elevated, like a fucking. (laughs) I I mean, you're not going to hurt. I mean,
1: if you feel like doing that, that's fine. But But again, I tell my patients, take two hours, (laughs) then you can do, I mean, this is my exact spiel. Two hours, you can go and do whatever you want. I don't care. It's going to do what it's going to do. Perfect. That's it.
0: All right. Well, you heard easy. it here first. You can mm-hmm. work out after yeah. two hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Botox, <laughs> this is my other. Botox should be the easiest thing you do all day. It, it, it's like easy. That. You do it and then just walk on and go out about your business and yeah. then just let the magic happen. Let the
0: magic happen. That's it. And it sure is magic. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Next question. Ah, What are your thoughts on the new injectables that last six plus months.
1: Do we have a specific, there's a lot of, there's, we're talking about dermal fillers now. Correct? I, or are we talking I about the I think she's talking
0: about that Botox alternative okay. that lasts longer.
1: Yeah. It, well, okay.
0: <laughs> huh. Knowing who asked this, I think I, that's, that's where she's okay, going with that. so
1: that's the uh, revance. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, uh, I, I guess here's the real deal on this product. <laughs> yes. And this is in this is in the product insert. So every product that gets any medication has a product insert that has the studies that were in it. Correct. That has to be that uh, legally that has to be put into the product. That's good. <laughs> there is not one place in the study that was ever done that that product lasts six months. Oh shit! It doesn't last six months. So this okay. is just great marketing. Great marketing, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't know this for a fact, but my understanding is, is that they are currently in a, a litigation mm. due to the marketing that says six months. That's my that is my understanding, is that they there is a couple of the companies have brought suit against them for their claims that it lasts six months because it does not last six months. Okay. It lasts about four Four, and I can't remember the percentage of patients who were still satisfied at four months. But here's the other thing with that product as well. It's double the dose of what you would get. So they've mm-hmm. been doing studies with Botox, too. If you double the dose of Botox, you'll get it'll last longer. Well, I mean, of course, it's going to
2: last <laughs> longer. Yeah.
1: You'll okay. be frozen for a, for, for a while longer. You won't have any movement, but it will last longer if you double the dose. And they've been uh-huh. working on this for a while. They have published some stuff on it they're not seeking a l- longer approval for it. So Revent it was a, a, a much higher dose. Okay. Right. So it's more costly mm-hmm. for about four, four and a half months. I think it's somewhere around. I can't remember what it was, but again, it tapers off like every other neuromodulator does. Okay. Uh, so that's the real, so I, I never, I didn't bring it on to my practice. Uh huh. And the reason is because of that, you know, one, it doesn't last six months Two, I would end up charging people near double what I charge them for Botox mm-hmm. for a month, maybe more.
2: Yeah. It, just, it
1: didn't seem, it didn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make much of a difference to me. So, or in my patients too, you know, cause I, I tend to talk to my patients about all of these things, you know, like, what do you feel about this? because they they're, mm-hmm. That's who I treat. Right. I think they have a say in what what we do at the practice. I mean, every, we work together in this. It's not just me dictating what happens. Yeah. So that's that, and it just it didn't. Nothing against. I don't think it's a bad product. It just it doesn't last six months. That's right. That's just it, and that's not me saying it. That's not my opinion. That's fact.
0: Yeah, I have a very good friend who got it done at her dermatologist, and mm-hmm. she's now a client of yours. She got that done. Uh, it may have been earlier this year and it was basically like, Oh, my dermatologist told me they've got this new thing, it lasts for six months, so I got it, da da da. But she was like, damn, that was expensive. And like you said, it absolutely did not last for six months. No, and she was and like, What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> and I I don't
1: I don't think it's I don't think providers are misrepresenting it. I just they're getting told something and and I think that's where the investigation stops sometimes because right. people get busy and that's. I, look, I'm not defending anybody. It's just that's the way the world works sometimes. Yeah. But the patients who I've seen who have had it in other practices, that's 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 the rub, right? You're paid twice as much as you would. And you're not getting what you thought you were getting.
0: Yeah, from. you're getting like 10 percent more, but kind of like you said, I'd rather have see you every three months for like a feather touch that keeps me just looking right. fresh, and we, and we, ice mean, queen.
1: Yeah, we could double the <laughs> dose of Botox and make you completely frozen yeah. for five months. That I don't would, want that. We could do that, but that's not my patients don't want that either. No, like none of my that. patients. not you, But I mean, my patients in general, we, there's there's some sacrifice that has to be made here. Do you want to look? Do you do you want natural motion? Do you want some motion? Yes. And do you want to look natural or do you want to just have no facial expression for the complete three months that it's FDA approved for which is the which is the same for the other neuromodulators on the market besides this one right? Interesting. So that's that's there's gotta be some give and take here a little bit dependent upon what you want the aesthetic result to be.
0: That makes sense. Right? Um, this is not the next question, but to piggyback off of this, what is the difference between Botox and Dysport?
1: I was I'm glad you're saying it because this is something that comes up frequently. Yeah and there's so Approved right now in the U.S. market is f- five neuromodulators. Right, Botox was the original one, mm-hmm. and that's been out the longest, and that has th- that has three three FDA indications. Okay, okay, that are approved by the FDA: crow's feet, the 11 lines, and the forehead lines.
0: Mm-hmm. The VIPs. Yep.
1: That <laughs> is it. Then you have Dysport, which was the next one, and that came quite a bit later, but that's been out longer than some of the other ones. And you have Zeoman, Juvo, and now Revan. They're all the same serotype of botulinum toxin. That's botulinum toxin, right? Okay. So they're all serotype A, and that's used. There's seven different serotypes. If I'm not mistaken, A through G. There probably is another one now, (laughs) because it's used because it's the most virulent strain. Okay. Right. So if we're going to do it, let's get the most toxic. Yeah. Hell yeah. Correct. And so the difference between all of them is it's their molecular structure is slightly different, but they all the mechanism of action is the same. So okay. the molecular weight is a little bit different between all of them. They're okay. a little bit different in the way that the, the molecule itself. What people frequently hear is that people will respond to one and not the other.
2: Mm, interesting.
1: Right? So people get switched. Like, I didn't really respond to Botox, and they switched me to Dysport or whatever, and that worked better. Okay. That's f- that's physiologically impossible.
0: Oh, interesting. Because they're all the you same. You said that, and I was like, huh.
1: <laughs> they're all the same serotype. Okay, right? so the body responds to them exactly the same. Okay. What frequently happens is that when somebody gets changed to, to something else, the dose gets increased.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And the doses are not equivalent. One unit of Botox does not equal one unit of Dysport, does not equal one unit of Xeomin, so on far, you know down the road. They just they're not equivalent. Interesting. So there's a discrepancy in the equivalency and they're measured differently. Okay. So you can think of a unit as a milligram, like of you know, like one milligram of gas or whatever. That's mm-hmm. kind of it's the same unit, but the dosing is different based upon the neuromodulator itself. So okay. It fre- so that's what ends up happening.
0: Gotcha. So You can't
1: respond one and not respond to the other. Okay. Basically, where that boils down, and it it becomes it just becomes a a, a comfort something that somebody's comfortable with. Okay. Right. I I prefer Botox. I've used all the other ones Mm -hmm. And, and I've never, truthfully, I don't think I've ever, I've ever had a patient pay for any of the other ones in all the years that I've been practicing.
0: Oh, that says a lot.
1: I use Botox. I use it on myself and I use Botox because I find it to, and I'm not, I don't think they're bad products, any of the other ones. I just, I'm the most comfortable. I see repeatable, reproducible results with Botox every single time. It's got the most study data behind it. Mm -hmm. It just, it works the best for me in my hands. Yeah. The other thing I like about Botox, and I'm not tooting the company's horn, this is just true fact (laughs) it's the only product that's made by the company that distributes
0: it. Oh, I, okay. that's really interesting to know. Yeah,
1: so it's made in the same lab in Ireland that has been made since it's the inception of Botox. Wow. Right? And, and it's Botox
0: made... came out in the 90s?
1: For medical purposes, it's been out longer than that because oh, it has 12 medical indications as well. Yeah. Right? So it's been made by the same company, Allergan, and it's distributed by Allergan, where the other products are made by a third-party lab, and mm. then the company that distributes them slaps their name on it and then distributes it. Okay. Is that a big deal to a lot of people? No, it's not. I'm not saying those labs are bad, but I like that everything is controlled by that company and everything is under lock and key with them. That makes a difference to me.
0: I think that a lot of people would like that if they knew it. I told the company they should probably talk
1: about that more. Yeah, that's very
0: I interesting. I think so. Huh, I'm glad you shared that. Thank you. Good to know. All right, cool. Anything else on Botox or Discord?
1: No, I mean, it's, sometimes, it's, it's just a preference thing, I think, for a lot of people. I just yeah. For me, it's just... it's I. It just, I just like it. It works better. There's more things I like about it. It's got more study data behind it. It, That's it. It's at FDA. If you're into FDA approval, it's the only one that's FDA approved for all those areas. The other ones are not. Interesting. Um,
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Thorough. All right. Next up. Ah, I'm very excited about this question. Mm. Does having Sculptra make it more difficult to have a facelift down the road? Possibly. Ooh, tell us everything. Yeah, so uh, sculpture. <laughs> is... His eyes just lit up. <laughs> yeah,
1: sculpture is a, is a true dermal filler. I think when you look at dermal fillers, they have this blanket name that's given to them, but I, I, they, I don't look at them all in that, in that light. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the, the non-hyaluronic acid fillers, which sculpture is one, and then you have the hyaluronic acid. You know, hyaluronic acid is a sugar that's made by your body. It's responsible for tissue hydration, elasticity, blah, blah, blah.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: those are your Juvederms. And your Rustolins and whatever else yeah. is on the market now. And then you have sculpture, which is a non hyaluronic acid. It's commonly referred to as, a, a, nowadays they call it a biostimulator. Okay. Whatever that means. <laughs> and it's something called polylactic acid, which is, a, a, for lack of a better word, it's it's plastic. Microplastics,
0: Microplastics in your face? Microplastics
1: in your face, yes, yeah. correct. In sugar water.
2: Ooh. Say, so that's, well,
1: that's that how case. you distribute <laughs> it, right? So it's it's interesting because what's the the in in now look sculpture is FDA approved for HIV wasting so it is a true filler it's a space occupier okay. okay it really if you're gonna fill space sculpture is a good way and that's why it was FDA approved for HIV wasting I don't know that we see that much what anymore. is
0: HIV wasting so
1: that's you know back in the day when when really when. HIV was very hard to control and we didn't have the, the antivirals on the antiretrovirals on the market that we had. Yeah, now. And we, we weren't able to, to, to care for people as well who uh-huh. had HIV, right. Then you would get this, this, um, you would get this lipo atrophy. So they would lose a lot of fat in their face. They would oh. have this very gaunt presentation. Okay. Which was, and it's, it's just, it's part, it's part of the disease process. Damn. So, uh, Sculpture was approved to help rectify that, to, to, to help with the gauntness. To, that's to, so to, interesting. Yeah. So it works fantastic for space occupying. Okay. And that's what it was approved for
0: mm-hmm.
1: from an FDA standpoint. And then, uh, obviously, dermal filler, you know, the kind of the claim is it stimulates all this collagen, you can fill up space, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, part of the thing with sculpture is it does cause a lot of fibrosis in the tissue, i.e. kind of close, not unlike scar tissue. But there's a very uh, well credentialed, very well respected plastic surgeon by the name of Dr. Michael Nyack, who recently put a bunch of stuff out some stuff was sent to me on social media that they started looking into this more because it hasn't really been looked in. And he's a facial plastic surgeon. And he started kind of was looking at people's faces who had had sculpture and some of these other bio, quote unquote, non hyaluronic acid or quote unquote, non hyaluronic acid. Mm -hmm. uh, falls into this category as well. Okay. Um, that they, they are noticing a significant amount of scar tissue in in the face that is making it harder to open the face and reposition it properly when they're redraping oh boy. the face. Oh, that. boy. So,
2: you
1: know, I guess the question, and nobody really knows the answer to this, is it just, is it everybody who's getting sculpture? Is it a certain amount? Is it the way that it's administered? So mm. there's a lot of variables that go into play here. So I think sure. to broad stroke it and say... That just because you've had sculpture, you're going to have issues with it. I think is incorrect. Okay. You know, is, there, is there more investigation that has to be gone into this? Yeah, I think that's true of everything. This is a yeah. young subspecialty. we don't know a lot of stuff. That's fair. You know that's happening. So is there a possibility that it could make it? Yeah, there's that possibility, because mm. we do see they are seeing some things happen. But again, okay. there's a lot that goes into this. It's you know it's a product that has to be mixed, and it's mixed in different ways. So is it the way that is mixed? So there's a lot that goes in there, so possibly, but I don't know. The jury is out.
0: From the professionals that I've talked with, it seems like Sculptra is not really the darling child that they had hoped it would be.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, there's providers that love Sculptra and will put it in everywhere and do everything about. It. I used to use I used to use Sculptra in the past. I don't use it at this point in time in my practice because I just I don't have the need for it mm-hmm. right now. When I used it, it was mostly for body work, for helping rejuvenate the tissue mostly. Okay. Like in the decolletage or something you could put in there and try to build up the collagen and make the tissue look better. But I I never really injected it in the face much because I I just don't see those patients who needed that much volumization. Nor was I a big believer that you would just all of a sudden tighten somebody's face up and give them this kind of, you know, this neocollagenesis that would change their life. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's a time-consuming product T- for the patient yeah it's not a one and done type treatment yeah right? you get it and then you come back in a month and then you get it again and then you come back in three five months and you get it again and it's this process of building up you look full right when you get it mm-hmm. because you have to mix it with a bunch of volume so right when you put it in people are like oh my god i look fantastic well, that's yeah. all the volume that you've had to inject of course if i just put eight cc's of saline in your face you're yeah. gonna look great
0: yeah and your that's gonna be gone in like a that. week right yeah. or in,
1: if that two days so that's part of the that's part of that's why i don't and people show me before and after, like, look at this sculpture. It was done right after. i like, well, it's not going to look like that in two days. Yeah, that's you're like, that's, that's trickery So mm-hmm. be careful of that. So it takes some time for that. And I prefer products that I can get rid of.
0: I love that. Right? Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, now we have hyaluronic acid products that last a long time, mm-hmm. you know, up to two years, more mm-hmm. than that for some of the new ones. Wow. Um, so if you're looking for length of time, then that's great because we have we have products that can do that, and mm-hmm. there's a lot that hyaluronic acid products offer. I think, yeah, um, that that other that other those other type of products don't. I want something that I can. If we have to get rid of a product for any number of reasons, whether it be emergent or it just doesn't look right and whatever, we can make that product go away. You cannot make a product like Sculpture go away. You just you have to wait it out.
0: Mm. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Oh, I I like this next question. I'm on a tight budget. What makes the most impact?
1: Probably Botox.
0: That's what I would have said as a non-professional.
1: No, you get get a lot of bang for your buck with Botox. It's so good. It is. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. You know, in medicine, there's very few things I think that really that really do what they're Mm built, to do, right? And Botox is absolutely one of those.
0: Yeah, it checks so many boxes. It does. (laughs) You
1: get tissue rejuvenation with it, right? You get to opening the eyes. You get that refreshed quality to the skin. I mean, you just get so much with it. It's just... When I see a patient in consultation, we're trying to—that's that's almost always where we start. Yeah. Like if you're not doing that, let's get that on board and let's start with that because we'll see. I mean, is it immediate impact? No, nothing's immediate. I don't. I mean, yeah, there is some immediacy with it, but it gets better. It takes a couple of weeks for it to really kick in and do its thing. Yeah, it mm-hmm. doesn't last forever, but you don't really want it to last forever. Yeah. If you squeeze three, three and a half months out of it—that's fantastic. That's the way it should be. Yeah. But yes, that's—I would agree with you on that.
0: Okay, team Botox. You heard it here first. Mike agrees with me. Maybe the company will send us some checks. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that'd be great. (laughs) Ah, Hmm. this is another good question. What is the best option for hooded eyes?
1: Surgery. Okay.
0: (laughs) A blasphemy, is that what it's called?
1: plasty, yeah. Bluffer So yeah, for not eyelid hooding <laughs> is, I mean, if you're going to rectify it and be done with it, then mm-hmm. a blufferplasty is the way to go. Okay. If that's not where you're wanting to go. Botox, when I see a patient, um, Botox will be, that'll be our first line of treatment. Because okay. we can, if we can get some brow elevation, then that will help with the eyelids a little bit. Yeah, I noticed the, that for me. That makes yeah, such a difference. Absolutely. It's subtle,
0: but it's, you can tell.
1: Yep. And when people have issues with heavy... Eyelids, that's just the area that was injected, and that has to be skipped sometimes in patients. So that's just anatomy, and that that the injector should be able to identify that and work with you on that. Okay. Um, so Botox is always a great start. You know, there are things that we can do, there are lasers we can do to tighten lids that work quite nicely. Endo lift we can use in the upper lid to tighten the upper lid and give some brow lift. Mm-hmm. So those are non-surgical options. Those are probably the best non-surgical options. But okay. really, if it gets down to it in a patient is really hooded, it's just, it's gotta be surgery. Okay. It's gotta be surgery. And there's some that great sense. eyelid surgeons in Atlanta. So you're very lucky to have some of these people here who do a fantastic job. The downtime is minimal. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I mean, I think you can get away with surgery. I, might, I don't know off, but, but I mean, you can probably get a blepharoplasty for somewhere between four and $7,000, I would imagine.
0: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I know if it's bad enough that it impacts your vision, insurance might cover it also. Yeah, you might get insurance covered. There's because, one yeah. of the benefits of <laughs> delaying things. Call your internist <laughs> tomorrow
1: and set up that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just like, I'm just having trouble seeing, just yeah. nothing a little just eye Just walk left in can't there fix. with your eyes closed. <laughs> exactly. Helen <laughs> Keller. <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> you know what would help. <laughs> Please. <laughs> just, just write me the referral. Uh-huh. I love yeah. it. That's so funny. <laughs> okay, I've got one more question for you, Mike. Sure. What is the difference in training between being an injector and being an esthetician?
1: So, in the state of Georgia, if you're going to inject, Botox, filler, any of these sort of things, you have to have a you have to be a registered nurse or a higher medical designation. So okay. R N P A N P D O M D uh D D O. Did I say D O? Yeah. And so. uh, Dentist. I'm not sure what their designation is. I forget. <laughs> dentist. Dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I'm, I'm no offense to it. i know some great dentists who know. So. Yeah, so that that's the requirement in the state of Georgia. Okay. Right. So an aesthetician is is a is a provider who's trained in aesthetic services. Mm-hmm. Um, lasers to a certain depth, right? So aestheticians, there's laws that that are that are in place that aestheticians, that's who your you know, that's your most laser services in the state of Georgia are performed by aestheticians. That's where mm-hmm. you're getting your light lasers from and your peels and your facials and your dermaplaning and your microneedling and all that sort of thing. And there's a yeah. certain depth that they're allowed to perform laser procedures to. And then anything deeper than that has to be undertaken by an MDPA. Okay. NP type of thing. So that's where the cutoff is.
0: So your esthetician... Your run-of-the-mill like spa esthetician yep. can't like get certified to do Botox or injectables or anything. No, like that. not
1: unless they go back to school in the state of Georgia at this time, mm-hmm. and at the least, at the least, have a registered nurse.
0: Okay, that's good to know. That's yeah. interesting. And there's some other
1: laws that I, I'm not as up on those. I don't need to be anymore. Up sure. On the laws requiring anybody other than the, what I'm doing. Yeah. In, in my group but yeah and they're so fluid between states too it's it's bizarre because yeah. um, there are some states where institutions can inject Botox that's just not in the state of Georgia okay yeah. and there's some other requirements too for RNs and Ps and NPs and, but yeah okay that's, that's, that's the that's the basic interesting yes yeah. so yes if you're getting an injectable it needs to be by somebody with a couple of initials yes after <laughs> a their name fancy
0: letters after that name <laughs> I love that well, Mike, is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you would like to share with our audience or just anything?
1: anything I don't know. Else? What do you think? Is there anything that we didn't cover?
0: Um, On the injectable side? What else? Uh, what about threads?
1: I heard you guys talking about PDO threads.
0: Oh, Let's yeah. talk about those. <laughs> you want to talk about those? Yes. Let's talk about threads. Yeah.
1: Threads are interesting. I was doing them for a long time. I... I might've been one of the first people in Georgia to do them in Atlanta for sure. There might've been one other guy doing them when I came on board doing them. I don't do them as much as I used to Okay. really at all. It's not because they're bad, but I think the, 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 the unfortunate part of, of PDO threads and PDO threads are suture. The way it's designed is to go into the face and provide a temporary repositioning of tissue, mm-hmm. right? And so PDO was the name given to a pre-existing suture that we use in surgery called PDS, okay, polydioxanone suture, right? Okay, and that suture has been FDA approved on the market for about thirty or forty years for tissue reapproximation all over the body. Okay, okay. so it's not some weird thing that was done, and this, these procedures have been around for God since the fifties or whatever it is. Oh, wow. so it's not okay. like they're new, but I, th- I think the, the thing with the thing that happened with PDO threads. And what I saw happening with PDO threads and well, why I don't do them as much anymore is that people had a lot of bad outcomes with it. Mm. And that, unfortunately that gets pushed off onto the product, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't get pushed off onto the providers a lot. It gets pushed off, Well, that product sucks. Yeah. And it's not the product. It's does the product last as long as a lot of providers say it does? Nope. It doesn't. I mean, I think if you get a year out of a PDO left, you're doing really, really good. Really? Really good. And the problem now is that as the product has gotten more aggressive, that patients mm-hmm. just have more downtime. And that's what I saw with it. We were getting mm-hmm. more tissue repositioning the lift, and the, the, the final result was looking better. But mm-hmm. man, in order to get there, you had to make people, they were not happy. Interesting. They looked weird because they had to pull them back so tight.
0: Like over exaggerate things, you right? Had to,
1: and that was one of the, the few procedures where I had to overextend them. Mm-hmm. to the point where they looked bizarre walking out of the office in yeah. order to get the final result because the tissue's is elastic. And it relaxes, right? Yeah. So you, you, you have to overprocess them, okay. which I don't like to do. Yeah, and then sense. they were sore for a couple of weeks and they just looked goofy and I didn't like it. Again, nothing against the product. It was just in my hands over the years. I just became less and less happy with it.
0: Okay.
2: Is there a
1: place for it? There is a place for it. Yeah. Um, is it a go-to? Is it going to replace anything? No but that's another reason why I brought not to uh, not to harp on this but that's another <laughs> reason why I brought endolift on cuz I was like okay look what we were doing trying to reposition fat pads and tighten tissue that's what I was doing with pdo pds well now we can do that on a more on a more permanent we can do it we can get to the the real the, the real issue as opposed to just trying to alleviate the symptom of the disease process we can get right to the disease process itself as opposed mm-hmm. to just masking it for a period of time I like that so PDO. I mean, when when I started doing it, there was nobody was doing it around. There was, I mean, I was the first company on the market was called Novathread. I was, you know, there was four or five of us in the country like training and doing it. Oh, there wow. was nobody to talk to about it. We were just kind of out there doing our thing. Some very well-respected plastic surgeons were on board with it. It was fine, but. You know, like anything, once it gets out and more people start doing it, more people start doing it, of course you're going to run into complications with it. That's just with anything. Yeah. So, you know, I don't I don't give it a bad name. I think it's got a place. Mm-hmm. It's just I, I don't do it as much as I used to just because I I've became less and less happy with the results over time. And I, now we have other things. And I think I just – I look at – addressing problems a little bit differently. And we should evolve, I think. If you're not evolving, then what's the point?
0: Oh, I completely agree with that. And of course, if you can do something more efficiently, why wouldn't you? Yeah, and safer and
1: less downtime is always a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. Okay. Uh, I hope what people take away from this is... Uh, I think one big thing when you're dipping your toes into this world is that it can be so overwhelming. And if you're listening in Atlanta, just go see Mike and I'll link all of your stuff in our show notes, of course. But if you're listening elsewhere, you know, do your research, talk to people and know that uh, this is what I wish somebody had told me. If something feels off or not right, go somewhere else. (laughs) Like you shouldn't be uncomfortable when you're talking about things that are expensive and things that are potentially permanent in your face. So I appreciate Mike having somebody like you, uh, who is so knowledgeable and well, trustworthy. And yeah,
1: uh, yeah, and I agree too. If I, you know, and I tell patients this all the time. Like, I have no, no provider should have any issue with you going to get a second, third, fourth opinion. Get as many opinions as you need. I don't yeah. care what it's for. Yeah, like, just feel comfortable and. Have a nice open dialogue about where you're going with this and what you should be doing. And if it feels uncomfortable, don't do it. But you need to have a nice open dialogue with your provider about these things, no matter what it is.
0: I totally agree with that. Me too. I totally agree. (laughs) Okay, cool. That was all of the questions that I had written down. Is there anything else? No,
1: I think we covered it all. Okay. We can always come back and do it again if we need to.
0: This is true. There will always be new technologies. (laughs) That's exactly right. I love it. Okay, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to today's episode. I hope you learned so much about... Aging gracefully and all things, you know, injectables with our lovely Mike. As always, listeners get 10% off at hawkinsandclover.com with promo code CLOVERCLUB, all caps. And fun things like the Q&A before today's episode go down on our Instagram. So if you don't already, please give us a follow at CloverClubPod. And Mike, where can everybody find you?
1: The website is revolutionbymka.com. And the Instagram is Revolution Decatur.
0: I will link both of those in our Thank show you. notes. <laughs> He's like, I think that's my Instagram. Uh, that's We're not. too busy to be yeah. on Instagram, really. Yeah. I mean. Not <laughs> not. I love it. Well, Mike, thank you again so so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. I think this is gonna be a great episode. Thank you for having me. Illuminated lots of questions. Thank you. Well, I'll I'll see you next time I need something shot up in my forehead, Mike. Uh, And if you're listening, I will hear you next week. Thanks everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Yay. Good.
1: How do we do good?
0: Oh, so good. good. Oh my gosh. Thank you.